Welcome everyone back to uh, our class on discipleship essentials. We're uh, we're trying to uh, provide a situation where we can cover 25 topics in 14 14 weeks or something. So we're going to have to have to do uh, two on some of these occasions. And today, William Reader is going to talk about Bible study as a uh, as a discipline, and uh, Jeannie Cagle is going to talk about prayer. Uh, next week, I will talk about worship. So uh, that's sort of what's on our on our plate uh, for now. Uh, we will have we will have we'll leave enough time at the end, Jeannie, <laughs> to to uh, have a prayer for any requests or needs that. Uh, that people have to remember to do that. All right, William, you ready? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning. William. So, Bible study. Um, so, as I'm going through this this really good this really good book, um, one of the things that I that um, that I find that it helps bring into focus for me that I've not really had happen before is how it pulls many different threads together um, and weaves them into one narrative into how discipleship works and is, um, what its function is in our lives, um, and, and, and uh, as a part of our life, like something that we should wear or live like clothing. Um, and a part of that, it's, I think it's a sub-part of um, quiet time, but is, is studying the Bible. Uh, at the beginning of it, if you haven't gotten the book, the way that it starts out is it gives you a core truth, and then there's some little, it says one, two, three, ask you some questions, and then there's a memory verse page and an inductive Bible study page, and then it has like a little text um, portion that you read through that kind of pulls all of those aspects together, and then there's a little closing section that asks some questions. Um, and the core truth for Bible study um, was what place should Bible study have in a disciple's daily quiet time? And um, I was just curious, um, as I was thinking about that, um, a thought came to me that what, what does, um, got too much stuff on this, what does uh, the Bible mean to us? Because that's a big part of it, how we view Scripture. It determines how we look at it. If we think it's all allegorical, if a person's view of Scripture is it's allegorical, that impacts how we look at it. If a person's view of Scripture is that it's, it's a book of history, that will impact how we look at it. If we see it as a combination of the two, that can impact how we study as well. Um, and then where do we think the word came from? I think that's another important question. There are a lot of people that believe that the word came from men, that men experienced things and they took those experiences and they wrote them down and they used poetry and they used things from their culture um, to relate to the people they were writing the books for. There are people who think that the men that wrote it were inspired um, by God but took the things that they experienced and wrote them down um, through the, the way that their culture expresses themselves and then that was for the people that they were meant for. And then there are those people who believe that Scripture is divine from word. It's, it's irrefutable. It is perfect. 
what it says is what it means, and that's it. So that was another um, something else that I thought was important uh, when you look at how you study Scripture. And then what authority do we give Scripture? Because if a person views the Bible through the lens of its allegory, it was just written by some men, um, it, it, it has some truths to it, but it's not something necessarily that, um, that holds any real authority, then it's kind of like reading a book written by, um, written by the Dalai Lama or, or the book of, of his, uh, the Quran or, or, or any of the works written by the, the, um, the Jews in Judaism. Um, if somebody gives it authority, then it's kind of something that we live that is used as the central tenet of our life and how we live our life. We, we build our foundation. We build our foundation on scripture. So those were those were some of the things that that were going through my mind. And I was just curious um, what other people's thoughts would be about that. Um, anybody just how 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 is your view of scripture? Uh, I think my culture influence and how I looked at scripture. Uh, growing up in the Church of the Christ, uh, Alexander Campbell had a significant influence and he saw it as a uh, as law and that we should obey the law and we need to follow the pattern and that had a huge influence on me on how I viewed scripture but the downside of that was when I, when I, uh, I got to a point that when I read the story of Abraham, I said, well, I've already read that before. Mm -hmm. I already know that story. Mm -hmm. And so treating it as a constitution uh, led me to where it became um, uh, static. Mm -hmm. I don't know another word to mm -hmm. say. Um, it, I, it even affected my desire to read it because I would get bored. There's nothing new that could be gleaned. Yeah. 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 In other words, I know this story. I know what they told me what the point of the story is. I already know it. That's one of the things that as... So I'm, I grew up at Otter Creek, but to be honest, uh, for full disclosure's sake, I wasn't somebody that not, and it's no reflection on my parents. Um, it's just I I became my own person, and uh, I followed my own path, and it took a lot of falling down and getting up to get where I'm at. But since I've found my way back, as I've begun to desire to read and to study and to know God more and to understand more, one of the things that I've found is that there are so many layers to the most simple thing, which is why Bible study is so important, which is why how we see it is so important. Because growing up as somebody who just saw it as a series of stories and who believed that what my parents told me because they were my parents, now to a person who, who believes that it is directly from God and what God says God means, has impacted how I look at at what is in the book. And then that in turn opens up doorways to things, to meanings, to words, phrases. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I believe that Psalm 20, 22, 23, and 24 
all are written by Holy Spirit through David. They are Jesus through Holy Spirit writing through David, expressing what he goes through on the cross. Now, yes, David is writing it for his time, his life. David is experiencing trials because Saul is chasing him. That's one layer. But another layer underneath is that it is Jesus. Jesus, it is um, uh, Jesus from Isaiah 6. Um, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high upon a throne. That God, Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, writing through Holy Spirit, inspiring David to write, this is what I'm going to suffer when I am born and live on the earth. This is what I'm going through in the time that I'm on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the, 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 the grounding and knowing who he was, I th- and I think it's in the 22nd Psalm, and then in the 24th Psalm, the victory that comes afterwards. Because there's, there's a narrative that, that those three Psalms, and that's just an example of kind of when you view Scripture a certain way, how it can impact how you study. Um, so anyways... Anyone else? Because Scripture of the Old and New Testament are uniquely inspired, revelation of God and the standard of truth in all matters of faith and practice, a portion of each day should be set aside to read, study, and meditate on God's Word. The Bible is to the Spirit what food is to the body. What are some key words in the paragraph? So I already said that. but um, So what... Do any of you see any, any key words that jump out to you? Or any, any phrases, any, anything that um, kind of stands out? I like the word practice because it automatically means you've got to apply it for it to have its full effect. I like the word standard. Mm-hmm. This is what we should be aspiring to be like. Yes, ma'am. Or, or even our standard, uh, it is our rock. Right. It is our firm foundation. Our rule book, our book. Yes, ma'am. I just like the whole phrase, standard of truth. Yes, ma'am. There is truth. Mm-hmm. An, un- an undeniable truth. That's the first thing that we put on when we put on the armor of God is the belt of truth. All of it comes around our truth. So that's good. So 2 Timothy uh, 3 contrasts Scripture with the non-believing world. What are some examples of these contrasts? And I'm going to read that. Alright. So if you have if you have your digital Scripture with you, so we'll, um, we'll go through it. I'll go through it pretty quickly, but I think it's important um, for the whole, the context of the whole chapter. So Paul's writing to Timothy, um, and he's giving him instructions about um, what's going to be happening uh, in the last days and how the, the writings um, of the prophets, the writings of Moses, his letters should be able to be a guide for him in what Paul believed were the last days, but which we can also apply to ourselves. Timothy, you should know this. Then the last days there will be difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. 
They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Um, I think it was last class where, no, I'm wrong. I'm going to continue. I'll jump into that that in a second. Um, Stay away from people like that. That's key. That they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women forever are forever following new teachings, but they never un, they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So those are the two magicians that worked in the court of Pharaoh. So when Moses came to present the authority of God to Pharaoh and to the Jews, because he's convincing them as well, hey, I am, I am God's representative here, and that truth is the staff being thrown down and turning into a, st- a snake. Those, those were the truths, and Janus and Jambres said, hey, look, we have truth too. And they, turned their, they caused their staffs to be turned into sna- uh, snakes as well. So they're opposing, they're opposing Moses' truth. Um, they have so and so what Paul is telling Timothy is, is hey there's people out there that are just like this our truth is Christ our truth is Christ alone and there are people that are going to come and pervert that just like Janice and Jambres did <clears throat> they have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith but they will not get away with this for a long for long someday everyone will recognize what fools they are just as with Janice and Jambres but you, Timothy, certainly know that I teach and how, know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, like truth. You will know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. That standard. We can have faith in that standard. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have been, they have, and they give, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by, Christ, by trusting in Christ Jesus. And I think this is the point about Scripture, and this is where studying Scripture continually is so important. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It is the standard which we judge ourselves by. Um, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us Uh, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work, or in parentheses, discipleship. So the most, um, so what Paul does is he takes this chapter and throughout the chapter, he's, he's saying, Hey, there's a standard. It's truth. It's scripture. Um, and he's telling Timothy, this is what happened in the past. And this is what we're dealing with now. Um, so you can take this standard, you can take this scripture. Okay. 
You can take this standard, you can take this scripture, and you can look at the world and say, this is what I know is right and this is what's wrong. And anytime I have a question about the two, this is where I go to because I can use it in all aspects of my life, even to go up and to disciple to someone that's of the world. Timothy, we keep ourselves separate from the world. We are a community of ourselves. We, we hold each other accountable. But when we go out into the world, we have something we can take with us into the world. But Timothy, make sure that when you go out there, you've studied it and you know it. Isn't it true that um, the old scripture that Timothy, in 2 Timothy, refers actually to the Old Testament? Yes. The, well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Their, their scripture was the writings of Moses and the Psalms and um, the works of the prophets that they had. Yes, sir. So I, I think some of Paul's letters at the time, and I'm not a biblical scholar by any stretch, but I, I think people had access to those, but it wasn't like what we have today as far as a, a book goes. Yes, sir. So, and that's what, and that's what, Interestingly enough, I think in many traditions, we tend to look less at what they considered their Bible, the first century church considered their Bible, and we look more at the New Testament, instead of it being one, one whole. The Old is hidden in the, or the, the New Testament is hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. It, it's one, one work seem, uh, uh, seamlessly woven together. So the most important part of this, chap- of this chapter are verses 16 and 17 where Paul seems to be telling Timothy in the verses, uh, in these verses that this is where uh, his authority comes from and that scripture is God-inspired or God-breathed. Paul also states the foundation for our lives as believers. It teaches truth and shows where we fall short. It corrects these shortcomings and teaches what is right and how to attain that rightness. Furthermore, it's what we use to equip ourselves so that we can bring others to believe. So when he says that um, it's God-breathed, that, it, that Scripture is inspired by God, um, what, what does that mean? I, I think we, we take terms, and each of us has, from our own perspective, a, an idea of what a term means or what, a, what words mean. And so what, what are some of your thoughts about what, when Paul's telling Timothy that, that all Scripture is inspired by God, what are your, some of your thoughts about that? It's deep. Like, there is so much in these verses. Like, what did he mean? He's passing on his knowledge to the person that's going to kind of be his... Paul is Elijah to Timothy's Elisha. You know, he's, it's, Timothy's going to be kind of the guy that comes after him. And, and so he's, he's passing his knowledge on. So when he's telling Timothy, you know, this is from God, what, do, you, do you think he meant that it, it, was, it was flawless, it was perfectly written, or do you think it was... I, th- I think that's something that, yeah. Uh, I th- if you go back and look at every time the, the phrase God breathed, it meant life. Mm. And Adam and Eve, he breathed into them the breath of life. And so to me, when it says God breathed, uh, it means he's breathing life. Yeah. If you look in Timothy, he says, uh, healthy doctrine, doctrine, 
um, that means healthy teaching. And so he's feeding into us that which is healthy, mm-hmm. which is good for us, which goes down to the teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Mm-hmm. I just, I just thought as you were saying that, this came to my mind. Jesus saying, "I am the bread of life," and we should eat of him. That's right, and drink. And drink, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the same concept as God three. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's receiving that which He has given to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, Jeannie and I have talked about this recently. It breaks my heart when people have a hard time believing that what God says is true. Mm-hmm. Especially about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that says what you believe about Scripture. Mm-hmm. Which means that how you were formed early impacts how you view Scripture and uh, can stand in the way. That is true. I think really similar to that, um, it means that especially like in from a teaching position, like Scripture never brings shame or condemnation on people. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I grew up in a really, really conservative um, family. And um, basically, like, I went through a period of time where I didn't think, like, Scripture was from God because I knew God was kind. Mm -hmm. But Scripture had always been twisted and used to, like, manipulate and abuse. Mm -hmm. And it had never been used Mm -hmm. in, like, a life-giving way, Mm -hmm. super similar to Mm -hmm. what he was saying. Mm -hmm. in the same way scripture is not the focus scripture points us to our loving father and it points us to our redeemer and it points us to the life given there so um, I think Satan likes to take um, our humanness because this is a little more black and white piece of measure we put our emphasis here and we miss the whole message. I think that's why I love God breathed and God inspired because it's it's to draw us to the Father. That's the whole point is mm. the stories of how much He loves and blesses and cares for and do you know what I mean? That's mm. what we're that's what we're drawn to. And yes, there's discipline in that. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's acknowledgement of sin and what is not from Him, but it's not shame and it's not condemnation. It's, it's continuing to draw us to the source of life. Chuck Messler would call Scripture a love letter from God. Yeah. And I would even take that to say a love letter from Jesus as God. I was going to say it's interesting because on the other side of that, I think a term that many of us have heard before is plenary inspiration where it's word for word, each word has been inspired and that reflects the human desire to contain it and to dissect it and to understand it and to use it as an argument. And none of those things are life-giving, mm-hmm. right? And so what is the spirit and what is the message speaking through this? And I love the fact that you know the term inspiration really means the inspiring, taking the, like the respiration that we normally have, that first breath, 
comes from. And when there's an inspired work, it, it moves us in some way, right? Uh, and that's because it is God-breathed. Mm -hmm. So how is it, how is it, did you, did you want to say something? Well, uh, you know, in John 6, after he fed the 5,000, mm -hmm. the people there said, well, what do you want us to do? That's our number one correct question for most Christians. What do you want us, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And I think what Jesus says was powerful. I don't want you to do anything. Mm -hmm. He says, your work is to believe in the one whom he has sent. Mm -hmm. That's, that's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. It's not read your Bible every day. It's not pray a certain amount of time every day. Believe. Mm -hmm. And that will lead to these mm -hmm. things. But it's not about the doing. Mm -hmm. It's about the believing. Mm -hmm. He does all of it for us. That's why when he died, he said it is finished because I won the victory in that moment. Yeah, everything else is a, 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 a studying scripture, discipleship. It's all a natural outflowing of our love from our belief, our faith in in Christ as our Messiah. Yeah. How is scripture useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training? Um, I think it. For, for me, I, I think it, it has, everything was put into it that we need for our lives. Everything. Um, and how does it equip us for every good work? Again, I, I, I think there are so many examples, and I think they're put in there purposefully. In, in, old, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, examples of fallen people who, whether it's the pre-incarnate, Christ as God coming to Abraham or to or or um, or or speaking through the prophets to the kings um, and rebuking them and then the kings finding repentance and coming back to things that happen in the New Testament um, uh, equipping us so that so that um, so that we can improve our so that we can improve ourselves um, so we can we can uh, work in finding. Uh, lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. We understand. My train's been lost a while. I don't think I'm gonna get that back. Whatever it was, I lost it. It is gone. Um, so we'll move on. Psalm uh, 119 is the celebration of God's law. It is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In, verse, in the first 16 verses, the writer David outlines the impact it should have on us. Um, so in Psalms, we'll go to Psalm. What's wrong? Psalm 113. Oops. Okay. Verses. So joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. 
They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your degrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How can, I, how can a young pure person stay pure by obeying your word? I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Um, I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. So David is outlining the impact that Scripture... Well, it's unknown. I I think David wrote this. But um, the impact that it should have on us... Um, what are some, so when when you go through this, there are a lot of words and phrases that are used um, instead of law of God, um, instructions, paths, commandments, commands, decrees, His word, regulation, and riches. Riches are used. Um, what does the writer tell us that we should do regarding Scripture in this? It says study, reflect delight, rejoice. He, he wants us to recite it, to praise God for it, um, to not wander, to keep hidden inside of us, to obey, to search and find, to learn, to thank Him, to be proud of, to be, as opposed to being not ashamed, to being proud of what God has given us, and to keep... Uh, to keep them and to also to follow. Those are all instructions in those first 16 verses of Psalm 119 that, that David uh, exhorts us to do regarding Scripture. Um, so I think that's a warning. Um, so if we follow the law, how will it impact our lives and what will be the results? I think pretty much we know that it's, it will help us to, to it will it will it will help us to find a joy filled life in Christ. Not that it will make everything perfect and bring happiness in all of the things that we deal with, but it will help us to have the grounding, the foundation that we need when trials and tribulations come our way, and to be able to 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 face them with a joy and a peace that we can only get through Jesus. One of the questions, one of the wrong questions I think we learn that we ask is, why do we suffer? Mm. Nowhere in Scripture do the people ever ask the question, why do I suffer? Mm. That is a culture, a Western culture Mm. idea. Mm. And if you remember, ask why, it's because we're looking more for comfort than for truth. Mm -hmm. That, that's also why we have a hard time understanding the cross. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about suffering. Mm-hmm. And our call to take up our cross and follow Jesus is mm-hmm. all about suffering. Mm-hmm. 
verse 71 in Psalm 119 says, My suffering is good for me. Yeah. It taught me to pay attention to the decrees. In Romans, the sufferings of this present world cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed within us. Mm. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it amazing how when you start talking about something like suffering, <coughs> it just wells up because we have had to grapple with it and had to understand it. And even, even in discipleship, Jesus tells it when... Um, I, man, when... Jesus performed one of his miracles, and they said that he did it because he was the son of the devil. And after all that happened, Jesus said to the disciples, if they're going to say this about me, imagine what they're going to say about you guys. Meaning, hey, I'm suffering right now. This is hard. It's not easy for me to take this abuse. So when I'm gone and then you're carrying on in my stead, you're going to be suffering and you're going to be dealing with this abuse as well. And it's going to be worse. So... I think Paul summarizes well. He said, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I was going to say that in this verse uh, ties in perfectly to that. When, when we're thinking about Bible study, from the Western point of view, especially like the more education you have, mm -hmm. the temptation is to come and try to, to master the text and to understand it and to, to parse out what every word means. Uh, and you can have like the informational approach. Like I'm going to be so informed that I'm going to know everything. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to know the writer, but I'm going to be transformed is what we need instead of information, mm -hmm. transformation. Mm -hmm. And it ties in so beautifully with what Josh talked about this morning, the position of humility. Mm -hmm. How humbling it is that the creator of the universe has displayed his truth for us in a way that we can understand it. Mm -hmm. like our senses can't take in all that he is, and he knows that. Mm -hmm. And through all of these stories and through all of these, uh, you know, all of this text, he has a way that we can draw nearer and that we can see more of his heart and that we can see how to make our paths straight mm -hmm. and to walk in his ways because we mess it up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> that position of humility and coming to the word to see what is it for me today that, that you need to see and that, you, that i need to be able to breathe and to be inspired i think a lot of people i used to do that i used to think that i had to have the head knowledge mm -hmm. For it, and so as a result of that, I thought, well, I can't. There's no way I could keep up with Randall Wilshire. So why try? I mean, you know, I'll I'll just hear what they say, and you know, mom and dad believe it, I'll believe it, you know. But you get to a point in your life where that doesn't work. So, but I think it can be overwhelming for a lot of people to think that, well, these guys are really good, they're really spiritual, they live good lives, everything, you know, and so I. I think for me to try to read and maybe discuss it with them, they might see me. We put something on it that doesn't need to be there. So as a result of that, many people may not choose to get into it. What I have discovered from what you were saying, I, I had an epiphany one day. I was driving home from work, and I, was, and I was listening to this as I was going home, and I thought about Peter. And I thought... So the thought process was, um, I was listening to something, and, oh, I was listening to Second Peter, right? And he was talking um, about Noah. And so I was listening to that, 
And then I thought he was a fisherman. And then I thought he probably didn't have any school other than what he got when he went to synagogue. And then I thought he was a fisherman. And and I thought he didn't go to any he didn't go to Dallas Theological Seminary. He didn't go to any he didn't go to any school. He didn't go to Lipscomb or Harding. He didn't. And yet he was responsible for scripture that that we study. And and so what that made me realize was that I'm I'm Peter. I, I'm a Peter too. I, I don't... Peter got his inspiration not because he went to school and sat down and had 30 years of study in the, in the Torah and, and in the... He, he was inspired by God, by Christ directly. And that, that gave me... I mean, think of... That, that was earth-shattering for me. That I could sit down and not have to worry about information like knowing the Hebrew and all, I mean that's important that that's important because that that's a whole other level you know and the, the whole onion of levels of studying but that gave me freedom how f- oh, open doors open doors um so some of the script, uh, some of the verses um, that were important to me or that jumped out to me, Psalm 19, 1 to 2, joyful is the reward for following God's law, not a happy life, but a joyful life. Psalm 119, 5, I yearn that my actions would constantly reflect God's decrees. And then Psalm uh, 119, 15 through 16, uh, David seems to make, the prom- make a promise or commitment to make scripture the center of his life. And in verse 18, which I thought was really cool, um, it it tells why. Uh, It says, to open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. The layers underneath. Not just what is being said that's written on the page, but the layers under the layers under the layers that God has for us. Yes. Got a minute or a prayer. Okay. Can I sure. Yeah. Carrie, are you going to do the prayer? Right. I want y'all to know how much I love this man. Um, I'm going to come up there with you. Uh, <laughs> I've watched him for the past five or six years sit on the back row, not ever say a word in class, You'd never know he's here. This is what God's Word does to someone who can leads him to stand up and to share his heart and to share his love. Because he would have never gotten up here before. But because of the life that our Lord has given him. He's standing before you. And he has no problem crying in front of you. Because it's about how much he loves our Lord. And I just want you to know, it just thrills my soul to see what God is doing in his life. And uh, we just thank God for this good man.
Well, it's become pretty clear that we can't put two subjects <laughs> into 45 minutes, so we're going to have to play, play, play loose with the schedule that I've given you for the rest of our time here. Uh, I don't know. You're you're not available next week. Are you? I am. Oh, all right. Okay. So you take prayer next we'll pray week. Pray next week. <laughs> take prayer, and we'll do we'll do prayer for the entire 45 minutes, and uh, that that gives me another week to prepare for worship.